0: Hello, welcome. This is a conversation about Truth and Spectacle. I'm Ivan Pulse, Creative Director.
1: And I'm Alex Mecklenburg, Creative Coach and Consultant.
0: Since our business and personal worlds have suddenly relied on video calls like never before, we thought it would be a great time to talk about the new challenges of running workshops. What is virtual work? How to make deeper connections with our colleagues? And how to do all of this with no post-it notes or snacks? Alex, you've actually just come from a great big workshop. Tell me a little bit about what you've learned. How was today? It was good. Is it a workshop or a webinar?
1: It was a workshop. And um,
0: What's the difference?
1: Well, for me, a workshop is a format that is used if you want to create something new together or you want to explore something together. I think if you are inviting people to tell them about something you believe passionately in or you wanna teach them, then that has a very different dynamic and needs very different relationships. But if you come back to the original definition of a workshop, creating something together or exploring something together, you're starting to see how important it actually is that the relationship within that team is strong. So it isn't really the individuals, it is how do they best work together to create something together. And I think that is a big challenge um, at this moment in time for us when we take workshops online.
0: So webinars are broadcast, workshops are interactive.
1: I think so. And I think Mm. what we're starting to see in webinars increasingly is that people actually record webinars, which makes them beautiful and slick um people will feel that these people sit there talking unreal. real they don't a lot of webinars are now pre-recorded and the only thing that is then live is the q a um one of my challenges in doing that is that i generally allow questions within the webinar and that a lot of the questions might or not have a impact on how i shape the flow of the webinar at yeah Day, very much like you would do
0: with a real audience. I used to be able to look over the shoulder of the people doing the workshop with me and see what they're up to. I know I cannot when they go into breakout rooms. It's all a mystery. Um, and so learning new ways, new techniques of staying on top of that. And you've, you've done a lot, I think many more of these than I have recently. And so I thought it was quite interesting just to like work out what works best, what direction we think we're going in. So, how creative have you been with workshops recently?
1: I am I'm trying a lot of things and I um I'm always very open about that at the beginning of the workshop that a lot of this we have not really done before, neither me as the facilitator nor the group. One thing I learned very early on was the importance of being absolutely clear Uh, in an online workshop. How are we going to work? What are our rules? What are our roles? How do we want to engage with each other? Are we using sign language? Are we using icons? Are we comfortable using voice? Is it okay to switch the camera off? Is it not okay to switch the camera off? Um, With that in mind, I now, generally calculate additional 20 minutes of each workshop for a checking in with people, creating some sort of connection with each other before you start the workshop and then agreeing on how to run the workshop. I think because it is still a very new format and um, whereas we are all pretty comfortable on real life workshops, most of us know how they work, we need a bit more guidance when we have online workshops
0: a lot of that is as a participant you don't actually get to go to a lot of workshops they're quite a rare occurrence and it's quite easy to look over at the person next to you to see how they're dealing with the situation then you mimic that and now there's no one to look over at it's such a strange thing i was running a workshop last week where you couldn't cheat you couldn't look over someone's shoulder and like work out. How else you might answer the question? Whereas we we're so used to cribbing as much as we can. I thought that was quite an interesting uh, kind of way of approaching this is like, how do we introduce cheating into the system?
1: I love that. I also love the thought on that because cheating really has a lot to do with control. Okay. So, how does the control work between the facilitator and the group? And cheating very often is a way of taking control. Mm. Um, so I love breakout rooms I think breakout rooms are really important not just to create smaller groups but actually to allow intimacy in those groups without a facilitator to allow those groups find their time their language without the feeling there's somebody on the other side of the screen who can Constantly judge what I'm saying and what I am not saying. And um, yeah, giving, giving the group space to work through things themselves, I think is really hard online because there's a temptation to constantly meddle with everybody.
0: Yeah, there is. And I have felt the pressure to meddle, working with my team and wanting to see what they're up to, but also to help them along because you 've got a fairly clear idea of what the point of an exercise is right? so if it's a drawing together exercise or a writing a new story uh, how to answer a question or how to explore a question and when they start going off the rails there's no way to bring them back in a traditional way like if you just kind of you know wait for them to do it you, you get a bit of a hodgepodge so I think there's something quite interesting in the the dynamics of of how we do that now the other thing that you were talking about there was having that time in a smaller group to set up your own language to create your own shared understanding of of not only the question you're trying to answer but also the the way you're going to answer it is is kind of quite an interesting part of workshops that I think virtual workshops ignore quite often now because it feels like what is the answer quite transactional, as you put it. The transaction of i did a workshop i got a result whereas the relationships are the thing that actually makes companies work
1: yeah i think um often you know i get asked can you facilitate a workshop and this is the outcome we want to see or people are even more descriptive they go this is the output we want to see I think workshops are becoming so much more valuable if you start to see them as a maintenance tool of building and maintaining and strengthening relationships in the team. But for that to happen, you need to make sure that your transactional value and your relationship value really is equally measured. And very often I see people not dissing, but kind of going, well, you've get to the point. We we need to get through this. Um and you as a facilitator just feel that the group isn't in the space at the moment to do that and that it would be potentially possible, but not an experience that bonds and that allows to build together.
0: Do you think teams who are probably quite used to working very closely are having to relearn how to work together.
1: I think so. There are there are some interesting ways where remote workshops actually help. So one of the guidance that you're looking at when you think about coaching teams, looking at relationships and systems rather than individuals is is the team able to listen to all the voices in the team. Does everybody really understand what everybody wants? That can be much easier online. You can actually create a a much safer space for people to tell the rest of the team what they think about a subject. And they might be a little bit more intimidated if everybody would stand around in a circle looking at you. So I think like with everything, there are things that are very helpful And then there are things that we just need to understand better to be able to use better.
0: How have you found using the technology? Like what kind of systems or uh, platforms have you found the most useful?
1: So I'm starting to become quite clear about that. Make it as simple as possible. This week I ran two rather heavy workshops. So workshops that were dealing with a lot of complexity and. What was really important for me was to not add complication on top of that. Yeah. So the subject matter was complex, but the way the teams should approach that should be simple. So all I used was um, Google Meet and Google Slides. So Google Slides was our collaboration platform. It was a beautiful way to work. We gave different teams different pages within the slides. We set up a number of meetups, which people could move through in and out as they were assigned to groups. And nobody had any worries about the technology because that is a company who works solely around G Suite. They are working in the open. And the feedback we got was, wow, we've gone a lot of workshops in the last two months. We've never done them on Google Meet. And with slides and it is so easy because we know exactly how to work with
0: that yeah uh, at what three words we use open docs for pretty much everything you know script writing to storyboarding creating uh, presentation decks for clients and the uh, workshop i ran recently i used google slides not because i thought it was the best platform but because it was the most expedient and i and i couldn't quite work out how to make some of these other systems work quickly enough. So it was a bit of a hack together deck and then I gave everyone access and it worked perfectly fine. No there were no complaints, which is usually a good good sign in my world. But they they were familiar enough with how bad slides is as well that they, there was no pressure to do something pretty. It's okay if it's a bit crap. And I thought that was an interesting yeah, interesting way to work you also fill up 25 pages of deck pretty quickly and you have an artifact at the end of it without anyone having to sit there and type out all the post-it notes that's a task we've done before you've done a lot of that
1: i think that is a really interesting one so obviously i have tried miro mural i've just done some work with whimsical and they're all you know whiteboarding apps that help you What I find very interesting, though, is that they're all mimicry or mimic um, a traditional design thinking approach. Um, Here is a question. Here are virtual post-its. I find it really interesting to actually step away from that and explore how can I work? How can I use technology to do things that we might have not done? like that in the, in the real world. So drawing together, no, mm-hmm. no post-its anywhere. Exploring things together, writing stories together, using it like an open dog. That's really interesting. So I found the whiteboarding exercises okay. You know, they're kind of, yes, we're creating loads, amounts of post-its, and that can be very helpful in some context. But it isn't the only way to work online. And I'm a bit concerned that people now think, oh, to run an online workshop, you always need a whiteboard and you need to have virtual post-its.
0: I think there's using the technology, all the different bits of it, using the analog interface as well, and hell, even like using dance if you have to. You know, I think those those are really interesting things that people would never have used in a room with, you know, with six people.
1: So I, I completely agree, um, and I'm not having a go at the whiteboarding apps. I think, as I said, they're mm. useful, but they only use virtual tools. I've just run a workshop where I actually ask people to look around, find objects that would help them tell a story better. As you said, either hold them up to the screen, take a screenshot, paste it into the Google slide. There is a beautiful way of everybody being able to speak visually. You know, people who are very scared of drawing can either blame the technology and say it's really hard to draw on the technology because everybody's drawing looks a bit shit, unless you're really good in it. But actually being creative and starting to think about it and starting to use this idea of scrapbooking as a way of ideas finding is a super interesting one. Yeah. And a scrapbook is nothing to do with online. They're great online scrapbooks, but this idea about being able to really throw everything in that you can do to help tell the story in a different way that might spark new ideas is great.
0: What are your feelings about how to set up the intent or the purpose of that workshop so that everyone stays on track?
1: I think there is is an answer which caters to the fact that We are currently not living in a normal environment and being very aware of that. So checking in with people, workshops generally take about two and a half hours, three hours. Working from home two and a half hours, three hours is half a day. So whenever I schedule workshops, I first of all check in with everybody. Um, What commitments do you have? Um, How is your internet connection? Are you feeling comfortable about that? Uh, Are there breaks you need to have? And this sounds all really time consuming. It actually isn't once you get used to it. And based on really understanding people's needs, people's context, people's places on where they work, because we are actually not working virtually. People work in real, in life. I, I really hate this articulation of we work virtually. No, we don't. Our connection is virtually. We are still working in a real environment with real things around us, okay? And those need to be thought of. And because suddenly you put that emphasis very much on the attendee, yeah? So you're actually asking them to create an environment that will allow them to really focus two and a half, three hours on the workshop. Offline, that is the responsibility of the facilitator. I create the environment. I will book a beautiful place. I will make sure that the audio is wonderful. I'm going to give them beautiful snacks. I'm going to send them out to do some sort of exercise. All of that is suddenly sitting in the responsibility of the participant. That's really hard, and we need to start thinking about that. So I just heard of a beautiful workshop. Where actually, what they did is because they're known for doing amazing snacks. They sent people the recipe for one of their amazing snacks a week beforehand and said, "If you care for, do that snack yourself, and then we're all sharing, eating the same snack. I thought that was beautiful. I thought that was really thoughtful, and it was Ooh. helping people to create an environment in their real life that could somehow connect to everybody else's environment in their own individual real lives.
0: It's that shared history that is quite difficult to create in a workshop that is scattered across England or Europe or the entire world. And anything where you can bring those things together a little bit, gives some kind of analog shared interest or shared um, experience, it's quite interesting.
1: And, and support them in that, because I mm. do think, as I said, you know, we're suddenly all the responsibility of the ambient environment lies with the participant starting to think about how could we support them on that could we send them something yeah could we send them i don't know super practical things as in can we make sure that everybody has the right work equipment for that workshop yeah Yeah. um but down to a cookie recipe or you know, sending them if it is in London, where, you know, there's access to a delivery service, you send them all the same meal. And I think the moment you start to have this idea, whether or not you can deliver it to a beautiful 100% is one thing. But I think the moment you start thinking that way, you will come up with a lot of small ideas that are doable. And I think they will make a difference to create a shared experience. Because that shared experience is so much more than just the work.
0: One of the things that we care a lot about is creativity. And we were talking the other day about how fear is a great motivator in creativity. That a deadline uh, or being judged is is very useful. Uh, the other thing is um, empathy. So the fear of letting someone down, imagining that you don't fulfill your promise or that, you, uh, that they don't get the solution that they need causes you to come up with some ideas, usually at the last minute. But it's also that kind of fear and empathy in groups that helps you create relationships. You solve things together. And I feel like one of the things we need to be, get much better at is provoking that feeling into, into each person's living room or home space.
1: One of the objectives of today was when people split up into their respective um, breakout groups, uh, the exercise was really hard. (laughs) It was really hard, and we knew it was really hard, and people were struggling. Um, So we had planned a check-in halfway through, and we didn't ask people what it was that they had developed. I wasn't really interested about that at that time. We just asked them to share their stories. How was that? How are you feeling about this? And it was brilliant because suddenly the whole group started to really galvanize around, this is really hard. And, you know, I went very provocative. I said, I know it's very hard, but I also know that you will be able to do that. And frankly, I won't let you go before you have done that because that is the brief you gave me. So you, you really started to see an energy in the group trying to crack it, going back into their rooms, their safe space where I wasn't, where they could figure everything out. They can always ask me for help. So there's always a back chat, however you want to set that. But it is, I need the permission to go into the break-in room, the breakout room. The breakout room is their room. If they want to ask me in, they're very happy to do. When I you know, answer a question, I'm then going out again. So again, that power balance, I thought that was really, really nice. That worked actually quite well, being provocative, creating that we feeling in the team. And then this we're going to get this done. Obviously, we're going to get this done. It It was a piece of beauty.
0: Another interesting way to do it is where you basically kind of write the brief in the workshop. The workshop is about questioning and exploring and starting to find the paths. Um, because it takes a little while to get that brain working and to hold on to the things that are useful. And I think that's, that's maybe I think what like in these virtual workshops are quite good at, really, is, is holding on to that question space because you don't have a wall to fill necessarily. It's not about that. It's, it's actually quite cerebral, and it suits a lot of people who are not talkers to participate much more fully now.
1: It's funny you say that because the workshop I was running today, originally people expected that in the workshop they would come up with a statement. We were very clear. We said no, but what we will come up with is a brief, and then you identify a team internally or externally who are then delivering the first drama and the first version of that brief, and then you can bring it back into the group if you want to and explore it. So the explorative part of the workshop i think works really really well and you can do a lot of great things to your point co-creating in a workshop as a individual event a one-off is pretty much impossible it's something else if you start to use it as an ongoing process and you're doing bits and blocks around it Mm. but creating briefs in a workshop exploring the question that then helps a team to come up with the answer that they then bring back to test through more questions, works actually quite well.
0: One thing that I've found doing these on a regular basis is quite useful. The regularity of this kind of format gives people the training and the confidence to get quite good at them, actually. And they start to use them as properly creative spaces, um, understanding how to maneuver through them, use the tools, add things to it, but then also have critical conversations about it because they're not worried about coming up with something. What they're actually doing is listening to each other, but it has been fantastic seeing some of my team get it quite quickly. And now they're going to be running the next workshop because they spotted something that bothered them and now it's their job to work with the team to work it out.
1: So this is something I love. People inherently know that workshops are a good thing. The big barrier to workshops in the real world is setting them up, getting everybody to the same space, budget, availability, okay? That has really disappeared. I can find two and a half hours in my week because I don't have to travel. I'd be doing that from home. There is no budget restraints. So I, I truly hope that the tool of workshopping will actually increase in usage. The interesting thing that you just said is that a workshop, because you are doing something together, creates alignment. And from a coaching point of view, I see a difference between alignment and agreement. If I align around a question, you know, I understand the question. I understand the many ways that people see that question. Getting an answer fed back afterwards. I'm much more open to accept an answer that I don't agree with 100% as long as it is aligned. So in team coaching, it is very rarely about agreeing with people, It is about understanding each other, understanding where you're coming from, aligning around the purpose, the question, what are we set up to do, which then allows you to be much more empathetic when it comes to different interpretations of answers. That is a helpful thought construct for how workshops might work very well in this new world of blended online, offline working.
0: I was having a conversation with a colleague today about what our new work life will look like. What, what, what will be office? What will be video? What will be meetups? Uh, how often will we do these things? And it's a great big question mark. But these are good questions. You know, two months ago, there were horrible questions. And now it's you're choosing. We get to choose again.
1: A real advantage about running workshops via Zoom or Meet is that you can record them. And that you can create an artifact out of the actual workshop, which is really beautiful because it kind of connects people again. So I've seen people sending out edited workshop experiences as a thank you to everybody. Also as, a, um, as, a, um, as an artifact uh, for the organization. That, that was kind of a way of capturing progress. So that, I thought, was a cute idea. I liked that a lot. And people were really proud about getting a video with some fabulously weird exercises, some funny moments. It was like an eight memoir.
0: And you have to play with that, see how hard that is to make.
1: Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And presenting that bag to the leadership team, everybody was really proud.
0: Very good. That and they could hit the play button and then go outside and enjoy the sunshine. Thanks for listening. Look after yourselves wherever you are and keep creating. If you have a big question or you'd like to run a workshop with your team, check out our website at truthandspectacle.com. Alex and I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you have any questions or comments, you can find us at truthandspectacle.com or on LinkedIn. Just search for Alexandra Mecklenburg or Ivan Pulse. You can also find us on Instagram. Just look for at truthandspectacle. Extra thanks to Richard and Robin for their never ending fortitude and social distancing. This was recorded in London and Huntingdon and has been a truth and spectacle production.